Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Hope you had a happy Thanksgiving. We are back at it. Friday morning, Black Friday. That's right. Some of you have been out shopping for hours. You're in the car driving to one more store thinking, I can be home and asleep by 7.30. Ha! We can't. Hopefully you can. If you've been up, you know, all night shopping. I'm sorry. Uh, watched a lot of football yesterday. Never thought I'd see that many successful onside kicks. I mean, the Atlanta Falcons don't do much, right? But they're really good at recovering onside kicks. Got a couple of them against the Saints. Still didn't win the game. New Orleans got the win, and New Orleans clinched the 10-win season and the division title. So the Saints are on to the playoffs. Um, the Cowboys might be, but man, that sucked, didn't it? They scored first, and then Buffalo just dominated that game. Just totally dominated that game. I know Steve Klaukas on Twitter, he wanted to watch the Bears, but he was on a plane and couldn't, and I really couldn't pay attention to that either. Neither one of those teams is going anywhere, so good luck to you both. All right, we got got football coming up today. More importantly, we've got football coming up tomorrow. 2 o'clock, Facebook, Utah State. At New Mexico. And then at uh, 5.30, and I, I guess the snow's supposed to stop tomorrow, but uh, it'll still be cold, obviously. Uh, it'll be Colorado and Utah on ABC. And then 7 o'clock in gorgeous San Diego, BYU and San Diego State. We're going to get things started here by listening to Jeff Grimes, the Cougars' offensive coordinator. Uh, BYU's going to have its hands full here. San Diego State's got one of the elite defenses in the nation. They give up about 13, 14 points a game. Uh, they have been bouncing around four, five, six all year long as far as fewest points allowed. Uh, the good news is they don't score very many points either. Uh, they're, in, they're in the bottom 10 or 15 in the nation in scoring. They average about 19 points a game. So brace yourself for a low-scoring game. And I really think a key, and this is how uh, you know, we've seen a couple of local schools play San Diego State. And I grew up there and went to their games as a kid, so I watch them more often. But a lot of you probably watch Weber State and San Diego State or Utah State and San Diego State. And the Weber State game was 6 nothing. And Utah State, I thought – Got a huge, a huge play in that game was to pick six early. It's so hard to score points and for your defense to get you that. Then the offense could just kick field goals, and that's a major problem for San Diego State to suddenly be down not just seven but ten or thirteen. I mean that's that's like being down twenty one or twenty four in another game. So for BYU, don't make mistakes. Don't give them any cheap points. Wait for your chance to make a big play, and then you can get them. They've lost two of their last three games there in San Diego. They had a really good season going, but they're not going to the WAC title game. They lost in Hawaii 14-11 to after beating Fresno 17-7. to I'm telling you, they're playing a lot of low-scoring games. So here's Jeff Grimes as BYU gets ready for game number 12. So the UMass game real quickly, uh, kind of a, your first team, no penalties, scored on every possession. There's probably not much to nitpick about, is there? <laughs> There's always something to nitpick about, right? Um, I'll tell you what I was most pleased with is is that we challenged the offense to play well against a team that we knew um, maybe wasn't statistically as good as some other teams we had played, but I wanted to see us show up and execute well in, in that sort of environment. So offensively, no turnovers. We had one penalty, which was um, an aggressive penalty late in the game that I thought was a bad call. And so really no turnovers, no penalties to speak of, and 
a lot of yards. So overall, a good day, but still a lot of a lot of um, little technical things that we could do that we could do better and improve upon. No, I don't. I don't think quite this many. I, we were talking about it as an offensive staff the other day, and I asked the other guys if they had ever been in an injury situation like this in a year, and and nobody has, and I, I haven't. And this is my I don't know 29th or 30th year or something like that, and I've never been in a situation where we where we had three different quarterbacks hurt at different times, all these running backs, four offensive linemen at various times. So um, I think it speaks to the depth and resilience of our team. When you were here before BYU and San Diego State were rivals, what do you kind of remember from those? You know, I, I can go back even further than that. When I played at UTEP, we were in the same conference, the WAC, back in those days, and San Diego State was part of it. And it, it, going way back then, they've always had talent. Um, I think what I think what Rocky Long has done is he's brought toughness to that team, and so they've always had talent. They've always had good skill. Now they've got toughness and grit to go along with it, and so it's a it's a very formidable opponent, particularly um, what we're going to see on defense. You mentioned that there's always areas to nitpick. Uh, what, what did you think? What you take away from Zach's game? I know you named him the MVP, but uh, was there areas from Zach's performance that made you feel like he could improve in certain aspects? Yeah, not a lot, but there were a couple of, of, uh, of situations where he could have made a different decision. Uh, so I think for him, it's just uh, decision making. Um, most of them were pretty good when you have a day like that, obviously. Um, but um, yeah, it could have been even a little bit better on a couple of those plays. So is it safe to say that the rust is, is gone for Zach now after that performance? Um, yeah, I think the rust is gone, but still lots of room for improvement like with any player. Is there a, a better defense you've faced? Utah obviously has been this San Diego State defense this year. Um, Washington, I thought, was good uh-huh. as well. Um, but I'd put this group in in a similar category as, as those teams. Um, really really not a weak link in terms of positions. They're, they're not exceptionally big in the defensive line, but really active and play really hard. Brady Hoke's done a great job, I think, getting those guys to play with their hands and and uh, and not stay blocked. Um, linebackers are physical. They'll come up and blitz and hit you in the mouth. Secondary can cover. Their safeties do a great job of coming up and tackling you in the open field. Um, so I, I think there's not a weak link in terms of their talent. And then their scheme presents a lot of problems. And I've, I've coached against Rocky Long a number of times, and it's always a challenge. He does a great job of attacking your protections and just disrupting your run game with pressures and, and stunts. Um, and so the scheme combined with their talent and their toughness and, and desire to, to play a physical game makes them one of the best defenses we've seen yet. The old adage, I think, is teams sometimes tend to sort of adopt the personality of their head coach. Can you guys kind of see Rocky? Yeah, for sure. In that yeah. scheme? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, for sure, without question. You see the way they play, um, the type of scheme that it is, one that's that's built around stopping the run and attacking the quarterback, trying to hit him, certainly what Rocky's always been about. Um, a few tactical differences that are a little bit new in terms of the way that he aligns um, for certain stunts and blitzes, but overall still a similar theme. Um, saw Jaron out there throwing some 
making some runs and throwing some passes. So has he been cleared? Um, I don't think he's been cleared yet, but I think he's making progress. And I say cleared because he's still wearing a green jersey, right? So if you're in a green, green jersey, that means you're not completely clear, cleared for contact yet. How has his pro- uh, progress been coming along? Um, slower than we would like, but hopefully he'll be ready soon. There's BYU offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes. All right, we're taking a break. When we come back, the best of the Jazz post-game show, the Jazz falling Wednesday night, and you will hear them explain exactly what it is that went wrong, and that is next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. The Utah Jazz got beat in Indiana. team that beat them twice last year beat them again and really did a great job at the end of the game of removing all doubt and winning that pretty comfortably. The Jazz in Memphis tonight. Let's get to the best of the Jazz postgame show. The Jazz fall Wednesday night to the Indiana Pacers, 121-102. It's your Jazz recap here on DJM PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. They start out their road trip 0-2. Looked a little sluggish offensively in the first half against Indiana and then looked sluggish defensively in the second half. However, Boyan Bogdanovich in his return to Indiana had 30 points on 8 of 13 shooting. He was 4 of 7 from 3. Donovan Mitchell had 26 points. Uh, Rudy Gobert came back from injury with 14 to go along with 13 rebounds and Joe Ingles had 12 points coming in off the bench. Let's get you some post-game sound. Let's start with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. Well, you know, they really hurt us in the paint um, and um, whether that was be just a communication um, on a lot of it and pick and roll um, you know we just we weren't as we knew how physical a team they were and you know we just have to you know, we need to we need to be better you know, I, don't, I don't this isn't like a, a glaring one thing that um, we did um, I thought they they were the more aggressive team, and that showed with the way they attacked the basket. You mentioned communication, but what are some of the other challenges that their pick-and-roll game tonight presented? Well, you know, we were small at various points, and they were rolling guys down when we were switching, and I thought we did a pretty good job of kicking guys out. But, um, you know, that connectivity, um, you know, communication is, is a big thing because it results in a lot of other things that um, you need that to, to clean up. And... I thought they did it. You know, they did a good Justice Bonus hit. You know, a lot of mid-range um, shots in the lane that are tough to cover. And um, he's a good player. He can make that shot. Um, you know, everything was just a little, a little too easy. And I point to the communication because that sometimes gives you, you know, a decisiveness that's necessary. Did you feel like the urgency and focus was there on the defensive end? Yeah, they're they're a difficult team for us to guard um, in, in some respects. And, you know, the effort's always there with our group. You know, sometimes you you execute better than others. And in this case, um, you know, I'd like to 
it's one of those games you want to watch the film because there's a number of things that um, make sweeping judgments about exactly what happened without seeing it. So, um, but obviously, you know, they they were they were good tonight, and we needed to be better. I thought end of quarter situations hurt us. Um, there were a couple runs there where we. And we were right there in the game. So I don't know that the score necessarily reflects on the game, but in this case, it, you know, they built a, built a lead too. So, um, and they did that, you know, I think, with physicality and aggressiveness. And, and they made some shots too. You know, we had some, um, some possessions where we had empty possessions offensively, and um, that made it even harder. What are, some of the, uh, what are some of the issues that you had with the pick and pop game that was so effective? Um, I don't, I don't know, Tony. The, you know that that would go to some of the communication. Um, you're in situations where you need to to, to switch earlier against the seven footer. But I, I thought, um, you know, the interior and the paint hurt us more than the pick and pop. Like I said, it, you know, they, they they had a couple clean looks. Um, you know, Turner hit one big bucket. On a pop and three, but you know that was, and Sabonis had one too. He kind of that was a, a tough shot that bounced in. So, like I said, I, I think um, we were more challenged in the paint than we were, you know, on the pick and pop stuff. How do you think Rudy looked in his first game back? Um, you know, I, I, it's hard to, to single out one player for you know anything good or bad tonight. You know, it's a collective effort. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, Rudy gives us. A, uh, a different presence defensively, and, um, but we were all um, we all needed to be needed to be better tonight. You know. How do you think you did struggle closing out quarters tonight? Um, you know, again, it, it, no sweeping. It, you know, usually when you a team goes on the run at the end of the quarter, it's a combination of things um, on both ends of the floor. You know, I didn't think we executed like we needed to offensively, and you know that led to some possessions defensively where um, we were uphill. Bogdanovich goes on that scoring run in the third quarter. How do you want your team to weigh kind of getting the hot hand, the ball, versus kind of running normal offense and just doing what you guys do? Well, I think one of the reasons that he went on that run is because guys were finding him, and you know that's something that's important for this group because it could be different guys at various times, and. Um, you know that that you know that that was an end of the quarter situation too. Where um, you know I think you know guys are aware of that and, and want to find him, and you know, we can do a better job of that. Um, you know that's something we've been good at. And, you know we need to be better. Thank you. Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder says his team fell in Indiana on Wednesday night, 121 to 102. Let's now let you hear from Rudy Gobert. Give the ball to the opponent and allow them to get easy baskets. I think it's uh, you really uh, put your defense in a tough position, and I feel like you really gives confidence to the other team. And I think overall, just physicality. You know, I think they were able to run whatever they wanted to run, uh, get the ball wherever they wanted to get the ball, and. Uh, you know, and they, they felt great. They felt comfortable. How are you feeling in your first game back? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling great. Um, you know, it's only two games, but uh, it's great to be back. What were some of those challenges guarding the paint tonight? I mean, they were playing big. I think we did overall. We did a pretty good job. You know, uh, controlling the two the two bigs. Uh, we just had a. You know, I think it's just the little things. You know, be be a little more physical on the ball and. 
and uh, and on the boards, you know. And I think uh, if, if we do that and we take care of the ball, it, it's a different game, you know. Coach mentioned also communication being a thing tonight as well. Did you see that? Yeah, of course. I mean, it comes with all that, you know. But I really, really think that, you know, when awareness offensively, like we, we take care of the ball, it, you know, they got going like that. Every run they made was of turnovers, and at the end it's 20 points. But I think in the early in the fourth we were on the game. It was like a three-point game at one point, and we, we turned the ball over like two or three times in a row, and all of a sudden it's a 10-point game. So take care of the ball and uh, set our defense, and then we, you know, a little more physicality and communication, and I think we'll be... That's Rudy Gobert, 14 points, 13 boards, and a block for Rudy in the Jazz loss to the Pacers on Wednesday night. Next up, Donovan Mitchell. They just felt comfortable the whole night and try to take that away from them, but um, that's really, I would say, a depressing issue. They just felt very comfortable the entire time. Does that come from physicality that you guys can do a little yeah, bit better? Yeah, just being able to pick it up on the ball. I think um, it's on all of us, you know, getting over the screen, you know, helping, you know, cigars, the bigs. It's really all of us just communicating, and um, we'll fix it. What's the difference you, when you look at you know the first half, the offense in the first half, turnovers and the three ball? What did you see there that's been a difference from the last two games? Um, what was the difference between the turnovers, you saying? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think for us, right? just kind of being synced together. I think the past two games we ran up and down. We didn't really run much today. You know, I think that's that's one of the uh, the, the biggest things I take away. But you know, he's got to get back to running up and down, and it's tough to run when you're taking the ball to net every time. Though, but even still, we got to be able to push the pace and you know make them guard. Maybe still keep in touch with the lick guys on the Louisville roster. Yeah, I think a few of them are actually, I think about nine or ten of them are at the game tonight. Coach Mack is here too, so it's pretty pretty good. I think we're about to be number one in the country too, so it's, um, it's a good year for us. I was going to say, what have you seen from them and what are the expectations for um, the I've watched, I've only watched one game in, in its entirety, but, you know, the biggest thing I've noticed is, you know, their tenacity. You know, they want it. You know, I think as long as, like I, like I said on, um, I said this when we were ranked high, like, you know, as long as guys play for each other and not themselves, you know, when you have, and it's nothing against them, it's just when you have that type of talent, you know, it's natural, you know, to kind of, especially at that age, you know, like say, like I'm old, but like that age to be able to kind of learn how to be selfless, you know, and that's to get the ball up. And we've been doing a great job of that. And I think we're going to continue to do a great job of that. Is it weird to see them? I think some of them wear your shoes when they're yeah. playing. How weird is that? <laughs> that's, that's a little weird for, for sure. Um, I think it's just, like I said, it's one of those things that's surreal, you know, um, but I think it's, um, I'm going to continue to get them as many as I can, you know, let them rep it as long as they, as long as they want to, you know, and I think it's pretty cool. I want to ask about Bogey and kind of what he's bringing, especially shooting-wise. Like, when you guys are shooting in practice, where does he rank among, like, the best shooters you've shot with? Like, you guys had Kyle Korver last yeah, year, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Um, how, how does he compare, I guess? It's a tough question, right? It's a tough question. He said, where does Bogey rank as top five, like, top shooters than what we play with? It's a tough question. Um, I've seen Kyle go insane. I've seen Joe go insane. And obviously, I've seen... It's tough. I'm going to give Kyle his respect and put him at number one for sure. Um, Bogey and Joe can hash it out. You know, tied at two. But um, am I missing somebody? No, I'm not missing anybody. Right? No, those are like really the top not three. Right. Definitely not. Definitely not. <laughs> um, but no, I think Bogey's just one of those guys, you know, he can, he can come in, you know, just standing outside and just walking in the arena and start knocking down five in a row for you. He's just that consistent. You know, you always have a reliable... Um, 
guy in him, you know, I think especially late, you know, it's one thing I've noticed. He's very clutch, you know, he very he knocks down shots. Um, he's very poised, and I think that's what helps for sure. One other one for you. Joe Ingles is the the leading consecutive games guy right now in, in the NBA. What is it that he does kind of on a game-to-game basis that lets him play? Well, I think just his know? toughness. It's a mindset. You know, that's all it really is, you know. It's all it is is a mindset and a will to want to play, the will to want to be out there, and I think, you know, we all respect him for that. You know, he's not going to take any, any games off, you know, for anything nagging. He's going to give it all for us, and I think that's what's pretty, truly special. That was Donovan Mitchell, who had 26 points and 10 of 23 shooting, doing most of his damage in the second half. Let's now let you hear from Boyan Bogdanovich. What were some of the challenges for you guys defensively tonight? I think it's just from the from the jump ball, they were they were more more aggressive team, both both defensively and, uh, and offensively. They were into us on every every single pass and every single on every single screen, and I. I think that was the they kind of push us away from the from the basket from our our set of fences that we wanted to play and, and, and that's what that was the, the main reason why we why we lost the game. For you, what was it like coming back where you spent two seasons and playing tonight? It's just nice to nice to see all those familiar faces I got around the, around the team around the around the city. I spent two great great years here. The, they really helped me to to establish establish my my game to show they helped me to show everybody what I'm what I'm capable capable of doing. So when you uh, you go down uh, 20, you still had a chance uh, later on in the fourth quarter because you only down by three points. But then it seemed to be this kind of thing where you get down to the end and you guys couldn't quite maintain that uh, closeness and you get down by ten again. What was kind of the uh, kind of the laps that happened? We were there. We were down a couple times by by ten or, or even or even more, and we we came back. But on a, we we didn't have a, we didn't have energy for that for that last last push last last couple of, of minutes. And like I say, they, they hurt us really on a on a pick and roll games second half. And, and and then like I said before, they were more more aggressive team from uh, from Jumbo. You mentioned that you felt like your two years in Indiana helped show people who you are. What do you feel like was most important uh, that you either learned or were able to do while here with the Pacers uh, to kind of take that next step in your game, your career? No, I've been in, in a couple other teams, but I didn't. I didn't have that opportunity, that that important minutes, the ball in in my hands, that someone run set of fences for for me actually. So two years in Indiana, they they realized that I can what I can do and what I can cannot do. And then when Victor when Victor went down, that kind of also also helped me to to develop my my game. Kind of an overall point of view, like just how has this transition gone from the Pacers to the Jazz, and how you, what I guess, how are you feeling so far in the first month and a half with your new team? I mean, I'm I'm feeling I'm feeling great right now. We are we are not playing like we supposed to. We have a lot of lot of talents in this room. It's it's obvious that it's gonna take some time to get uh, to get familiar with the. Uh, with each other, but we are we are working pretty pretty hard, and, and we have to we have to stay stay together no matter no matter if we lose two or three games in a row. How do you feel like the offense is progressing throughout the throughout the season? Like I said, there's a lot of lot of new guys, so we are trying to see and, and, and figure out what what's worked for us, what's worked with the coach. Are trying to figure out which combination is, is the best for us to close the game to. 
put a, to put the right combination on a on a, on the floor. So like I said, it's gonna it's gonna take time, but we are we are here to put out our game on, a, on the next level. That was Boyan Bogdanovic. He had 30 points in his return to Indiana, 8 of 13 shooting. All uh, interviews in the postgame talked about how Indiana was just more physical and had more energy. The Jazz are going to have to get that back coming up tonight as they take on the Memphis Grizzlies in Memphis. That game will tip off at 6 o'clock. Pre-game coverage begins at 5. There is the best of the Jazz postgame show. Riley Jensen's talking football next. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's time to talk college football with Riley Jensen, college football insider, and he joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Get $100 off the redesigned Apple Watch 4 with a new line of service. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Riley, good morning. Hey, fellas. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming on. So this week, the, uh, the newly updated College Football Playoff Committee rankings are out. Do you now, having seen them, having perused them, which didn't take long because they were what we all expected pretty much, did you uh, come away with more confidence, less confidence, the same amount of confidence the Utes would be invited into the Fab Four playoff? Uh, quite, quite a bit less, just because of how far Oregon drops. I, I, I did not. I don't think I anticipated that far of a drop. And then you move, you move Baylor up what five spots or six spots to number nine, and all of a sudden it looks like the Big Twelve matchup becomes more important than the Pac-12 matchup. I, I, I was a little bit disappointed in how it worked out. Um, it's not anything that the Utes, you know, it's, it's all outside of their control. Um, I'm not I'm not sure that a ton of style points or anything that they do is going to make a huge difference, but I don't know. It's just interesting. I don't, I don't know how the formula works. I don't know how that works. I, I mean, I just, I just did not see Oregon dropping that far. That's an opinion poll. Who gives a flying you-know-what anyway? There's nothing based on scientific fact. There's hardly anything's based on the field. It's what people think. Who cares what these people think? It just doesn't matter to me, man. Go win your ball games and, and play well, and that's the only Finish 13-1 and one and you have a phenomenal season. Whether you get in or you don't get in, it's some opinion poll. Come on, man. Come on, Riley. Don't don't even thought, don't even give say, it justification. I, I thought you were gonna say I thought you were gonna say that nothing's based on science anymore. And then I was like, oh boy, he's really he's really going off the rails here. But <laughs> no, I'm not that kind um, of guy. I'm just this is this is all this is, thirteen people or whatever it is. They come together and have an opinion. Good for them, and they're supposed to act like I'm supposed to believe in it. Nah, come on. Go win the games out on the field. That's all that matters. Utah's had a phenomenal season. They got two more chances to have phenomenal seasons. They even improve upon it. Maybe they'll have more. Who knows? I think. I think. I think you're right. I think it got exciting there for a minute. That there's there's a chance for them to be in the playoffs. I still think there's an outside chance. There I don't is. think it's like no, completely it's over. Not zero. No. But but I think your point is well taken in the sense that 
the youths just need to go out and they need to take care of business over these next two weeks. Um, whether or not, whether they not, whether or not they go to the playoffs or not is true. It's just the opinion of somebody else. It's right. not, it's not really up to them. Right. But going, I think that if you're a Utah fan and you're looking at these polls, you really have to look at it and go, this is an amazing team that has had an amazing season. If they finish off these last two weeks and they're able to go to play in the Rose Bowl, even if it's just the Rose Bowl. I mean, I can't believe we're saying just the Rose Bowl, right? Don't ever say but that, Riley. I would totally agree with that. Don't ever say that. There's another phrase we're not using that matters, too, but we'll get to that in a minute. Go ahead. Carry on. Right, right. And, and, and I'm the one that slipped and almost said that. But you should go and enjoy arguably the best team that's ever been um, on the field for the Utah Utes. I mean, this is an amazing team with amazing players. It's an amazing defense. The offense is now in the top twenty in offense. It's just a it's just a really fun team and a magical season. And regardless of the outcome of whether they're in the playoffs or whether they're in the Rose Bowl, you should be excited about this team. And if you go watch them hammer Minnesota, you know, twenty nine to three twenty eight to three in the Rose Bowl because they're such a good team, that that should be a great a great story for for everyone who's a Utah fan. If that happens, I'm going to carry Kyle off the field on my shoulders. <laughs> of course you are. <laughs> of course you are. I know you'll be at the Rose Bowl. It's the granddaddy of them all. It is the granddaddy. It's just you don't even need them of the of them all. It's just simply the granddaddy. Oh, okay, okay. I just, the only thing, the only thing that will be regretful to me is that Keith Jackson won't be announcing the games. You know, that was, ah, the that voice of your youth, fun. huh? That's the soundtrack of your college football fandom, right there. Ab- absolutely, absolutely. There was, a, I, I just remember one time there was there was a my freshman year at Snow College. I didn't play very much, but there was there was a wide receiver that played for us by the name of Keith Jackson, which is which is not a great story till I keep telling the story. He signed at Wisconsin, played wide receiver at Wisconsin. The next year he's playing in the Rose Bowl, returning kickoffs with Keith Jackson, um, announcing that Keith Jackson is back to, re- to receive the kickoff. That was, that's one of my favorite memories is, is my friend Keith Jackson being announced by Keith Jackson in the Rose Bowl. That was a fun memory for me. So before we worry about the Bulls or anything like that, winning a Pac-12 championship, Colorado's had the same amount of time. They haven't gotten it done. It's been 17 years for Washington State, 20 for UCLA, 23 for Arizona State. Cal and Oregon State, you got to go way back in the day. Having the chance to hoist that trophy on Friday night, before anything else happens on Saturday, and before you find out on Sunday what your destination is, those moments don't come around very often. There's three or four teams that have been dominating the league for almost two decades now. To get that and have that moment and not know how much longer before you get to have it again, it seems like that moment ought to be to win the conference that you wanted to be in the conference you got in and to win the most important sport, the championship in football. It's like that moment should be a big deal before you get to anything else, but it seems like we're all just blown right by it. Uh, absolutely. I mean, isn't it? I, I believe it's you guys that, that have said it out loud. Arizona's never been, have they? No, They've they haven't. Been. Oh, thanks for bringing that like up, that. RJ. Yeah, like Merry Christmas yeah, to yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, think about that for a minute, though. There's teams that are in the Pac-10 
that in their whole history have never been to the Rose Bowl. And so it's 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 interesting to me that it is getting just kind of like, you know, uh, not not boohooed, but just like it's it's kind of like it's like okay, well, I'll settle for the Rose Bowl. Maybe poo pooed instead of boohooed. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so it's it, it is interesting to me, and and to think about it, is this the ninth year in the league, the eighth year in the league? Ninth. I get confused. Ninth, ninth year in the league. I mean, such quick work by Kyle Whittingham and his staff, and I think I think they deserve a lot of credit. I mean, it's, it doesn't seem that long ago that we were. We were super stressed out about those first two years in the Pac-12 and the adjustment and were they going to be able to do it. And the next year, Kyle came through with a winning season. Man, it felt like the Rose Bowl was far away. It certainly didn't feel like – man, it feels like I can even remember polls. Will, will the Utah youth ever go to the Rose Bowl? Yeah. And now it's oh, right yeah, there yeah. at your fingertips. Now it's right there at your fingertips. And I think it's such a cool – I think it's a cool thing for the state. And I think it's a really cool thing if you're a Utah fan. And it's a really cool thing for me, which is what I care about the most. Uh, so, yeah, absolutely. I mean, two you years care ago, about you. Yeah, well, if I don't, who, if I don't, who do, man? I'm telling you. <laughs> oh, jeez, <laughs> who is this guy, David? Who is this guy? Same guy's been for 18 years. <laughs> I know. We were getting this back in 2003. Same deal. Hey, is it 18 years on the radio now? How how long is it? No, it's approaching. With that. you too. It's approaching that. We're not there. It's uh, probably 17 and two thirds or something. Oh it'll be eighteen. In, it'll be eighteen in early April. Dude, I, I would love it, and I know I know that we can't do this. I would love it if somebody did a highlight of like the top ten times that you guys really got in like a lovers' quarrel, in like a, in like a little bit of a fight between you two. It should <laughs> it be, be Billboard Top One Hundred. Well, sometimes oh he gets gosh. his little feelings hurt. I mean, you gotta just you gotta account for it. But then the great thing about it is, three weeks later, he's nominated for some award. So. And then, he, and then he wins it. So. Yeah, you don't, you don't get your feelings hurt at all, do you? No, <laughs> he doesn't have feelings. He gave them I up. I mean, here he is. He's nominated for Sportscast of the Year. What the hell different did he do this year than he did any other year? Nothing. And and what? Oh, were, I mean, what, he, come on. What did he, he do? Bigger? He could probably he could probably win it every year. That's I know it's though. a joke. And and this year, one of the biggest stories. I was thinking about this because I'm extremely bitter. I'm going to be up front. I'm extremely bitter, Riley. One of the biggest stories we've had this year was the resignation of Dave Rose. Well, who he 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 quit at the end of March. Let's see who went on the radio the end of February and said, "Watch out for Dave Rose. This is going to be his last year." Young Hatch, get on the phone here. Get on the uh, microphone. Who may have said that in freaking February? One Patrick thought- Kinahan. It wasn't DJ. <laughs> no, it's PK. <laughs> Do I get any credit? Does anybody nominate me? No, I just get crapped on again. If you want to know, you know when what, his little feelings though? get hurt, Riley, it was right about there. Suck. Yeah, well, I was just going to say, I mean, aren't you guys like, I mean, you know, when you guys have been married this long, like, <laughs> do we really care who gets the credit? Right, and unfortunately, I mean, I'm so humble and such a team-oriented guy that I don't care about that like stuff. It. No. It the last two minutes notwithstanding. Like as it long as like we get the credit, that's all that matters. I don't need the credit. I've never wanted the credit, never needed the credit. I just have a it deep sense of humility. Like it. Yeah. <laughs> it, definitely, it definitely sounds like it. It sounds like it doesn't matter who gets the credit. <laughs> There's a thing I wanted to throw at at you, Riley. You're a quarterback dude, right? 
Oh, yeah. Long okay. time ago. So you train, you've been training quarterbacks for many, many years. And yep. you, you know your stuff. And so you look at Tyler Huntley, and two years ago as a freshman, he's throwing four picks against the Sun Devils. Now he's just off the charts. I mean, he's just incredible. And I would love to see the kid be in New York for Heisman. He's such a great story. Well, you look at last Saturday, and you had two kids who this time last year were in high school throwing for a combined 900 yards. Slovis for SC throwing for over 500, and Daniels at ASU throwing for over 400. And both of these kids are first-year freshmen. To me, that is a phenomenal story that towards the end of their freshman years, they're lighting it up to this level, 500-plus yards and 400-plus yards, and their first-year freshmen. How do you explain the advancement of these kids? Because no longer is it expected you to come in, red shirt, sit for two years, and then have a shot in your third year to take over the program. Now, it's literally from day one. Slovis needed an injury. Daniels was from day one. But still, Slovis looks awesome. Explain that for me as to how that is happening. Kids who are barely removed from high school are lighting it up at the major college level. Well, I mean, it's pretty simple. There's just there's so many more opportunities for high school quarterbacks now to get reps. And I mean, you know, call it what you want. You can you can say it's the pylon sports seven on sevens that they're going to. You can say that it's the youth shoot in the summer. You can say it's all these different summer camps that they're going to. But from from really the month of like March all the way through the football season. There's all kinds of opportunities for quarterbacks to get better right now, um, you know. And you can go around the country to to different places and just get seven on seven, even if it's not with your team. And and you can get really really good reps. I mean, just just here in the state, you have yeah you have my camp that, that you can go and you can get seven on seven. And and I'm not saying that it's that it's our camp and anybody's camp, but just the ability to get so many reps makes quarterbacks much more prepared than they've been in the past. I also think that when you look at Daniels, when you look at Slovis, um, I mean, I mean Slovis, I know he's a USC quarterback, and I know, I know the story is, is like how amazing this is, but he wasn't recruited by a ton of guys, and, and he got recruited late by them. And he's come in, and he's just got this – I, I, think, I think the second part to this is – so the first part is tons of reps – the second part is, is when they get so many reps, these guys are just deadened to to some of the looks that defenses give them. They're just like, okay, well, I've seen this a million times, right? And now you've got a guy like Slovis who has some unbelievable receivers on the outside, and when they run the routes right, I mean, it's just like in high school except for a little bit faster, and he's got guys that can go make great catches for him. So the, the only thing that I can explain is there's there's a ton more reps and that psychologically that slows the game down for them. And I think that there's there's a bunch of coaches out there around the country that are a lot better at understanding the passing game than there ever has been. It used to be, I mean, you have to understand, I graduated in 1992. Some people that are listening to it are like, that, that, that's forever ago, right? But it's, but it's not that, it's not that long ago as far as, you know, football goes that that 
the most attempts I had in a high school game were 15. I mean, there's quarterbacks in high school right now that are getting 15 attempts in a quarter. <laughs> you know, yeah. like they're throwing the ball, they're throwing the ball 45 times a game, and so it's it's interesting to think about how the game has changed. And most of the coaches when I was in high school and even up until like just 15 years ago, most coaches that were offensive coordinators were really, really good at understanding the nuances of the run game. But I think in the last 15 years, it's really opened up that coaches understand the passing game. They're much more willing to do it than they've ever been. And I think it's a trickle-down effect from college football to high school football, even down to little leagues. There's much more passing in all three of those levels than there's ever been. And so it translates to the next level. And Daniels is so fun for me to watch. And Slovis is so fun for me to watch. Not only are they athletic and smart, but but they're making great passes. I mean, those two guys are going to be really, really fun to watch for the next – well, probably just for the next two or three years, probably not for the next four years like it used to be. So when you talk about all the reps these uh, kids are getting in the seven-on-seven camps now, you're kind of hinting at the Malcolm Gladwell 10,000-hour rule, 10,000 repetitions. That's what leads to greatness. You do something over and over. You really get it down. You can process it mentally so quickly. But then we also have people saying kids shouldn't specialize, which they kind of have to if they're going to get in 10,000 reps at anything that they should play multiple sports, and there are examples of great athletes who've played multiple sports as kids, and it, it really does kind of underline, well, don't have your kids specialized. So the parent who's out there trying to guide their kid, their head's spinning now. What would you tell them? Because it seems like we're getting the, – the stories are crossing here, and it's not making sense. They're conflicting. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a, that's a point that's really well taken. To me, you know, the whole Malcolm Gladwell – I mean, he stole that whole idea from a guy by the name of Anders Ericsson who just studies, you know, greatness. And there's there's a couple of different keys to the 10,000-hour rule. Number one, just because you practice for 10,000 hours doesn't mean you're going to be good. They have to be deliberate. The practice has to be deliberate. It has to be exact. And you have to be shooting good basketball shots to get good at shooting if you're going to shoot. It can't just be like, I'm just up there chucking it up, right? And then the second part, you know, as far as the two-sport athlete goes, I I still think there's a lot of guys that are two-sport athletes. I mean, you look at you look at Zach Wilson. I mean, he was playing he was playing two sports up until his senior year in high school. You look at Cole Hagen, who will get recruited out of Corner Canyon High School. He was playing. You know, he he was on the the state championship basketball team last year for Corner Canyon, and now he's won two football championships. I mean, these guys that are playing quarterback are really good athletes. I think the days of a three-sport athlete are completely gone. I still think you can work two. The, the thing that gets crazy is most of them have to be like football and basketball or football and wrestling type thing because once March and April starts, it's really difficult to play baseball and be a quarterback. But I still it, the upside to playing two sports is, and if you talk to Gary Anderson about this, he loves the two-sport athlete, is sometimes – they haven't been as focused in the weight room and they haven't been as focused on the skill that you're trying to develop. And so there's huge upside. The downside to specializing sometimes is that you've hit your ceiling, right? Like, okay, you're so good. That's as good as you're going to get. Now in the case of Daniels and Slovis, that's awesome. But in the case of, you know, Riley Jensen, if he'd hit his ceiling and there's no upside to him, then maybe you don't get recruited because there's not a lot of upside to what you're doing. And so, 
that's where that's where it becomes interesting. And I I love the two sport athlete because typically when you play two different sports, you're not always the dominant guy in one of those sports, and you have to learn how to be a team player. You have to learn how to compete when you don't have the same skill set in a different sport, and you're getting those mental reps and competing at a high level, even though you might not be the guy. So it teaches you how to be a team player. It teaches you how to work through some difficulty and some adversity that maybe you don't have in the other sport where you're a little bit more dominant. All right, we never really got to BYU-San Diego State and what ought to be a low-scoring game. Just tell us real quick who you think is going to win that with San Diego State, giving up 13 points a game, six in the country, but only scoring 19 points a game, which is bottom 15 in the country. Super low-scoring. It's going to be difficult for BYU to run the ball. It will be a little bit contingent on how well Zach Wilson can throw the ball as he's getting hit because San Diego State will hit him. I think it's a close game. I think BYU wins like a 21-17 to 17 type game. Riley, thanks. We appreciate it. Appreciate you guys. Thanks again for having me on. There's our college football insider, Riley Jensen. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us.